All right, so here we go. It is Clark Monroe. He is the host of the Squadcast with Max Ritzy. He is the producer for the Rod Peterson Show. You see him everywhere, and he's TikTok famous, ladies and gentlemen. He is <laughs> live and in person. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Just got done making a TikTok. I started a new series today going over some team previews, so that's exciting. Uh, just got Anaheim out of the way, so I uh, didn't take notes for what we're going to talk about tonight because Anaheim's pretty boring this offseason, but... Uh, overall, staying busy, doing a lot of stuff, uh, watching some football with the CFL back on, on TV yeah. and everything. And I uh, got the Blue Jays wild card chase. Man, that's that's intense row. right now. Oh, and uh, the Mariners are losing right now. So everything's kind of working out really well. So that's got my attention. But uh, I'm so excited that, you know, hockey talk is starting back up again. And here we go. Oh, for sure. Well, one question I want to ask you, do you think the Blue Jays get in? Well, they, they've got a real uphill battle going, but me and Max, obviously, like I said, on the squad cast over here, uh, we've been really paying attention to these last couple of weeks specifically. Uh, and right now they're in a series against the Yankees and then they got the Orioles and then they got the Rays. So these next 11 games, including today, which they were able to win against the Yankees, um, these next 11 games are pretty much do or die for if they want to make the playoffs. They've got to beat the Yankees. They have to take all the games against the Orioles. If they don't, like, that's not going to help them at all. And then the Rays are just – it's going to be a real measuring stick against the Rays. So we'll see. But, man, they have made it interesting because oh, yeah. uh, they ha they had it early and then they really stumbled. And then uh, now they're coming back real hot. So I hope well, they can keep it up. It's just made for a fun run. My grandfather said today, and he's a huge, huge Blue Jays fan. So I listen to everything he says. He's seen it all, been through it all, ups, downs, everything in between. And he said the Blue Jays hit their lull, you know, maybe at the right time because it looks like the Yankees are scuffling right now. So maybe the Blue Jays are getting hot now at the right time. And it may be that heater that gets them in there. Yeah. And they just they swept the A's, which is kind of the big deal, right? Because the A's were ahead of them and they're above the A's now. Uh, the Mariners are losing tonight against the Astros. I was I was watching that one. It's on Sportsnet. So I was watching that. Uh, and they're the other team. So if they can kind of just maintain with those guys, they have to catch up to Boston and, and New York. One of the two, uh, either way. So no matter how the A's and the Mariners do, the Jays have to still catch up to those guys if they want to make the playoffs. So it won't be easy. No, it won't be easy, but it'll be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting ball. So we'll keep that going. Well, let's get to the uh, the topic du jour. Obviously, having you on, you're wearing a Leafs jersey. I'm a Leafs fan. This is an easy talk right here. I want to talk about right out of the gate, the Toronto Maple Leafs defense and the rumor that is P.K. Suvan. <laughs> I want to ask you, this one's floating yeah. around out there. Everybody's kind of getting a little excited. You know, before the season, everybody gets the juices going, especially when it's Subban. I want to know, would you like P.K. Subban on this team? For me, I'll say I'd like him, but after this season on a show-me type deal, I don't want him now at the contract, whether it's retained, because that means moving Kerfoot or moving somebody else to bring him in. And he's not the P.K. Subban we used to know. So he'd be in a lesser role. I'd like to bring him in after this. But what do you think? Is there juice to this? I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad I was browsing Twitter before this because I just saw this and I was, I, 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 my eyes widened because I was thinking, is this real or is this some just some sort of fan throwing out a, a thing? But this is, uh, is it Mark Murphy or something out of Boston? Like this is a yep. guy who's a reporter. He's Jimmy Murphy. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, that's him. So. He, he's a guy like this isn't just some, you know, random fan saying a, a silly rumor. This is a this is a thing. So 
Um, I, I did a little looking at it. Uh, double retained, he would be just over $2.2 million, I think. Uh, so that's that's similar to what Nick Felino did. You know, he had to retain once and then another team had to retain again. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not easy to do. But there are a lot of teams right now that could accommodate that. That wouldn't be I don't think that would be a problem. And I don't think New Jersey would have a problem retaining half in the first place. Uh, so there is that. Uh, but like you said, um, is it going to be the right move for the Leafs right now? I think P.K. Subban uh, would be – I'm going to think that would be a halfway through the season type of move. I don't think that's going to be a before the season type of move, if that happens at all. Uh, it just seems like the type of deal where uh, they're going to – I think they're going to give uh, – we're talking the Leafs uh, defensive group right now. I think they're going to give Sandine and Liljegren and Dermott the chance to determine whether they're going to be good enough or not. Um I don't know if Lilia Grin's in that top three plan right now, but I think it's Sandine and Dermot. I think they're going to give them a good couple of months, uh, James. I think they're going to, you know, really allow them to either make the team or not. And I, I don't think they're going to be in a rush to necessarily bring in some sort of vet to kind of diminish their time. I think they want to give it to them this year. Uh, I've heard you talk about it. Uh, I think it's time to let Sandine tell us who he is. I think it's time to let Travis Dermot have a regular spot in the lineup. Uh, and then if Lilia Grin's going to come up or whoever else, uh, I think it's time to let that happen. But that doesn't mean if they're bad, that it's going to only be that way. I think that's where we might see these conversations start happening. And PK Subban at 2.2, whatever it is, $2.3 million um, would be a really interesting option on the bottom pair. Uh, but he's not top, not top four anymore. Like he said, it's yeah. not the same PK Subban. But if you're talking about a charismatic guy to come in and be a third pair, uh, he's been there. He's done a few things in his career. He's he's had some ups and downs. Uh, it seems like everywhere he goes, you know, there's that thing where it's like, is he a good locker room guy? I I don't know, but uh, I, I, exactly. Uh, I think he's he, now that he's a single guy. Uh, you know, he lost Lindsey Vaughn, his wife, or whatever she was to him. Uh, I think I've seen some pictures of the guy. He's slimmed down. He's jacked up a little bit. Uh, so he might be the, a different PK Subban than the one we've seen than the one we've seen, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's not the same old one, but I don't know if he's going to be the same new version of PK Subban either. I think he might be kind of maybe rebuilt altogether. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, my, my main answer would be I don't think we see any moves until maybe two months into the season, maybe end of November, early December um, is when we might see them. But I think they're going to give those guys a chance. PK would be interesting though. He would, he'd make it fun. He'd make it fun. You know what? I'll, I'll walk back a little bit of what I said, maybe at the trade deadline to be a guy that I want to bring in, but I want this group right now. I want this group that was pissed off and dejected to do things and see where they are. Like Sandine. I want to see if we're losing Morgan Riley, which we'll talk about as a separate issue here in a moment for losing Morgan Riley for whatever, if we trade him or if he walks, I want Sandine to be able to run the first power play unit know what's expected of them and to be able to take those steps as that pass rusher and be the main guy on their D because that's what people are anointing him to be. And that's what seems to be the organization's path for him as well. So I want him to be stable. Timothy Lilligren, I think that ship has sailed. I think it's done. Um, I like the guy. I was excited when we got him at 17. Everybody passed over him because he had the mono. Um, but this guy here doesn't seem to be able to take that next step and has been, you know, overstepped by other guys in the organization. And if you ask me, I look at a guy like uh, Brendan Manel that we signed, might be a guy to step over him. Again, Mac Hollowell's making a lot of noise to try to come up. 
Then you sign a couple guys like Alex Viega and Phil Prawl that can also step over this guy. So you look at what Lilligren can do, and I'm like, can those guys do it better? Maybe with less headaches. Like he's had ample opportunity, and he's never really seized a moment or given you a flash. And for right. Dermot, we know what Dermot is. Dermot's an arsehole to play against. You like he's hard against the boards. He talks a lot, and he can give you some of those sporadic plays where you're like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And then like Jake Gardner, he can make you scratch your head and pull your hair out. But you know what you're getting in Dermot. It's hot and cold, but at least he's a bottom pair guy you can rely on for minutes. But Lilligren, I'm done with Lilligren. I'm done wanting this guy to be the guy we hoped he was going to be. Yeah, and the other thing too, like you mentioned, Brennan Manel, he's a guy. I saw him play in junior. He was with the Lethbridge Hurricanes back in the day. Um, and <laughs> James, I might have to just get you to pause it for a second. No problem. <laughs> back after a so, brief little break there, but here we go yes. with Clark and Manel. Yeah, so yeah, Manel, uh, Brennan Manel. I saw him in junior. Uh, the guy is a very dynamic offensive forward, or defenseman. Uh, he's been over in, uh, in Russia for the last couple of years, and he played pretty well over there, put up some numbers. Uh, but I don't know if he's the type of guy who's going to, you know, displant Liljegren necessarily. He might work his way up there. I think they need, I think he needs some time back in North America to get his feet back under him, get to know some of his teammates. But I definitely think uh, Liljegren is, is at that point, you know, it's make or break for him. Uh, he's either going to be the seventh defenseman to rotate in or they're moving him. They're, they're packaging him in some sort of trade. And, and maybe that's where, uh, you know, midway through the season, we see them try to get, you know, a big name top six winger to play on one of those top two lines. Because uh, I think that's probably the number one question mark with this organization right now is who's going to be on their top six left wing. Uh, there's a lot of options, but I don't know how many of them are great. Um, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But, oh, yes. you know, in terms of the defensemen, really, in my opinion, um, I don't think that's really the problem right now with the team is I, I think, you know, they're as stable as they've been in years on defense, especially with bringing in TJ Brody. Uh, Morgan Riley has kind of bounced back a little bit from a bit of a struggle. Uh, and Muzzin and Hall, I think, have locked down that shutdown defensive pair uh, in the middle. And then, like you said earlier, Sandine, he's shown flashes. Dermot has shown flashes. We haven't seen 100% of what Dermot is, I don't think. And that's where I'd like to see him just have a normal role. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he needs to know what his role is because I think he's been up yeah. in the lineup, down in the lineup, you know, you know, benched uh, up in the press box. He's been all over the place. I think he just if he had a, a specific role, uh, I really think that he, we would see a different Travis Dermott. So, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see where it all goes um, coming into the season. But I, I personally think that the defense is actually uh, pretty stable right now compared to what we've seen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, the other one for me, I look at Morgan Riley and I say this, you know, he has no deal going beyond the season and we've watched guys walk and everybody's starting to get a little antsy. You didn't get anything for Hyman. Well, you didn't get anything for Van Riemsdyk and this guy and that guy. For me, I want Morgan Riley to stay. But here's a good thing that just happened and I'll link this to you. I watched your TikTok on it. Colm Pareko signed that deal. And that is a deal that's very comparable to what Morgan Riley probably should sign. Morgan Riley yeah. is also older than Colton Pareko, I do believe. So it would make sense for the Leafs to walk into that kind of deal with Morgan Riley if he wants to stay. And for all indications, everywhere it's been said, Morgan Riley wants to take a team-friendly deal. And after all these teams went crazy on D, signing guys, Colton Pareko signing that, maybe kind of resets the market for marquee kind of defensemen yet again. And that could allow Riley 
maybe to sign that deal and everybody to feel good about it because it's a raise on what he's making now, but it's also, I'd say a hometown discount for sure, because I bet you if he went to the open market, he'd get the seven, eight he's looking for from Vancouver or Vegas, who seems to be in on everybody or maybe Seattle, who knows, but I think that deal Colton Pareko is the starting point and they work out something around there. And I think they should announce it before the beginning of the season, because I don't want any circus shows this year. We've had so no. many throughout the years. You look at Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all these things, Babcock, they've all hung over the team. This year should be just straight focus, all or nothing. This group needs to get it done. I want Riley to be signed because he deserves it. Hey, been here forever, has been a great soldier, been through the Tyson Berry, the whole nine yards of that shit. I want to see this guy sign the deal and stick around. Yeah, the Dion Phaneufs, the Phil Kessels, the Leo Comrade, he's seen it all. Uh, he's been through thick and thin, mostly thin. Uh, but yeah, no, he, yeah. you know, he is the longest tenured leaf and, uh, he was in, in talks to be the captain when John Tavares came in, he was in that conversation. So I would like to see him stick around as well. I think, um, you saw, you saw my video, so you know how I feel about how the Pareco deal, like you said, does, I feel like it directly correlates to what Morgan oh, should be at. Now we saw that slew of 9.59, 8.5, 8.4. We saw all those 8.9 point millions of dollar contracts go to Seth Jones, to Miro Heiskanen, to Kale McCarr, um, to uh, Zach Wierenski, we, and a couple other ones. Uh, but those guys are, are younger. They haven't got their money yet. They, yeah. Morgan Riley's coming off, I think it was a six-year deal at $5 million. Yeah. Uh, that's what's just ending. He's got his last year of that. So he has made $30 million in his career, plus whatever was before that in his entry-level contract. So he's in a different situation. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't ever been the number one dedicated guy to his team like the other younger guys may have been, or they have, they're projected to be, which is why they're getting that money. Yep. Uh, they're also restricted free agents who are being bought unrestricted free agent years. That always comes into play as well. Uh, but Morgan's in a different boat. He's like you said, I think he's one year older than Colton Pareko. Uh, and he's in a different situation where, uh, he's, he isn't uh, a two way guy. Like some of those guys are like Seth Jones. I would be comfortable putting him as my number one penalty killer. and also on my power play type of deal, yeah. uh, Darnell nurse, et cetera. Uh, whereas Morgan Riley, I think knows his role at this point. He knows where the team is at. He, he, his, uh, wife is in Toronto, uh, Tessa virtue, right? Yeah. Uh, so she's there. Um, he could easily become one of the longest tenured Leafs of history uh, yeah. in Toronto if he signs this eight-year deal and maybe stays a little longer, because he'll be probably, what, 35, I think, by the end of that deal, uh, if that happens. So he could set himself up for decades by simply signing an eight-year deal um, now. And I think the $6.5 million uh, you know, price point is way more appropriate for him than an eight to nine to nine and a half, uh, even though I know the market is what the market is. Uh, but I do believe Morgan Riley is ready Everything we've heard, we've heard that he wants to take a discount. My question on that was, is he taking a discount on what he's currently making, which is five, which he's not, obviously he's not doing that. Or is he taking a discount on what some of the other guys around him are making? So that's going to be the biggest question. Uh, is he ready to be that team-friendly deal that helps teams win championships? Or is he, is he not? And if he's not, uh, I think you're right. There, there shouldn't be um, uh, anything hanging over this team this year. He'll be traded, I think, before the season starts, if that's the case. 
Um, and I hope that they are able to sign him uh, before the season, because I agree with you. I, I don't want the distractions. Uh, let's, let's move on if that's going to be the case. And uh, the good part about a $5 million Morgan Riley is that he can probably bring you a big package in return. I don't know what that is, but I think there would be a team that would be willing to add a $5 million defenseman and also be able to give you quite a bit, whether that's Vancouver, Seattle, uh, you know, there's probably a few other teams if we really dove into it, but we don't need to do that yet. I, I do think he'll be signing here long-term. Well, let's walk one thing back because I know in the comment section, I'll get this one and you'll get this one. Um, Colton Perego is older than Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley is only okay. 27. And it right. feels like he's been in this league forever. We talked about all the teams that have played on with the Toronto Maple Leafs and different players. It does feel like he's been here forever, but even still, I think everything still fits in the same way with this guy. I think you need to get a deal done before the season starts, kill the clouds above your head and allow this thing to go through the way it should or move them and get stuff back and anoint Rasmus Sandin to be that guy and let the season run as it will. But we will see what happens, whether it's PK, whether it's Riley sticking around, who knows? Lots of names. Another name that I want to talk about right quick on the defensive side of things before we move uh, on with the Leafs. This goes with the Arizona Coyotes who seem to be just moving everything that's not nailed down they now have uh, Chikrin on the block, and the asking price is two first-round picks. When does it end in Arizona, and what are they going to do? Are they really loading up for the fact that they think they might get Austin Matthews in a few years? Is that what they're doing? That's what everybody's saying they're trying to do. Are they trying to make sure they get a Shane Wright? Are they trying to make sure they get Connor Bedard, and then you throw in Austin Matthews to play with those Austin two players? But who else do they have beyond that, Clark? And it seems yeah, like all they're wow. going to have is draft picks. Clayton Keller. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And and the, the problem with that is, yeah, yeah. If you're going to have all the cap space in the world, great. But I don't look at Austin Matthews as a guy who wants to go to a garbage bottom dwelling team. Even if they get Shane Wright and Connor Bedard, that's, that's still an if, um, if that happens, if they win both lotteries, there's a lot at stake there. Uh, obviously they're going to give themselves as many chances as possible to win the lotteries. That's what they're clearly doing. Uh, but I, I just don't think Austin Matthews is the type of player um, who wants to just go make money and do nothing for the rest of his career. I think Austin Matthews is a legacy player uh, who wants to be the guy on the team in the market yep. uh, in a building organization that's flourishing at the moment. And, let, you know, losing in the first round maybe isn't flourishing, but they have something built pretty solid with Toronto right now that should be sustainable long-term if everything continues the way that it is currently. Uh, and, you know, Arizona, you know, it's fun. You know, they're tearing it down. They're getting all these draft picks. That's great. But in, in three years or whatever it is, when Austin Matthews is a free agent, he's going to have two options. Uh, he's going to make a ton of money in Arizona and be last place for the rest of his career, or he's going to stay in Toronto and, and continue building what's already been built. And I just don't see him, I, 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 the, the storylines are great, uh, but I don't see him going to Arizona just cause it's Arizona. I, and by the, by the time this happens, they might be in Houston. They might be somewhere else. And that's just so, there too. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like, uh, sounds like they're going to have another arena in Arizona that they're going to stay in or in the Phoenix area that they will stay in. But how long is that one going to last? And, and if that's the case, uh, the, the organization is just a mess year after year make up a new reason every single year uh, that it's, yeah, there's money, there's no money, there's no fans. Um, so every year there's a new reason why the Arizona Coyotes are, are, are a trash bin. Uh, so it's, I don't see why Matthews wants to go there. Anyways, 
No, uh, I said so that's, that's the same but... thing, though. I mean, for Arizona, I think the NHL just needs to admit it failed. Just say that you yeah. failed, say you failed, and move it to somewhere where it's going to be successful. Just admit you failed. That's all you need to do here. You've thrown everything you could at it. You've had multiple owners. You've owned the team. Now this owner apparently isn't paying his bills. So it just doesn't look good. Move the team. I know you, don't, yeah. you can't, probably can't put it in Quebec. That would be the best spot for it, in my opinion. But I know there's a lot of different things going into that. So move it to Texas. Go somewhere there's money. You know, get a blue chip owner and move it along. Do it right. But yeah. now, that's for in, in terms – if they are going to be shipping out everything that's not nailed down, like you said, and Jacob Chickren's available, uh, two first-round picks is pretty reasonable for that guy, especially now if we're talking Toronto. I don't know if that's possible unless if Riley goes out somewhere and then we bring in Chickren and that's the replacement. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the kid is 20, you know, early 20s, 23, 24 years old. He's just coming into his own. He's a big, powerful type of guy. Um, he's on a decent contract as well. I don't know how long it is, but I think it's only in the mid fours. Uh, so that'd be easily attainable uh, in terms of, you know, a lot of teams, I think could easily bring that in. Um, and I, I don't know. I think if, if two first round picks, if, I think they're honestly selling themselves short a little bit in Arizona, if that's the price. Um, and we'll see. I think, again, it's kind of just seems like it's a dumpster dive for anybody who wants to get their hands on something in Arizona right now. And, um, I'd love the Leafs to take advantage of that in one way or the other. Uh, I thought they were at some point. I thought the Christian Dvorak thing might happen. I thought there was a few things that might happen. Uh, Connor Garland was rumored. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know. Jacob Chickren, I think um, he might be the lone piece they keep because they, you know, top pair defensemen don't come around very often, especially when you draft and, and develop your own. Uh, so I think, you know, you, I would hope, I would hope as an Arizona fan, if I was an Arizona fan, I would sure hope that they keep him and keep Clayton Keller and make those guys the pillars to what they're going to do. But, you yeah. know, they can't just bring in Bedard and Wright and think they're going to be great. Like those guys need somebody else there to help run the show. They, as 18 year olds, those guys aren't just going to come in and be great no. all of a sudden. Um, so anyways, that's, I don't know. Arizona is a mess. <laughs> no, Arizona is a mess. Well, you're right. He's 23 years old. He's got a $4.6 million cap hit. That's a player that you want to, uh, I don't know, hold on to because I would hope like so. That don't grow on trees, like you said. But hey, if they want to sell it for two firsts, I mean, and the Leafs could swing some sort of deal to move out Morgan Riley. I know everybody's going to cringe at that. I'm bringing this young guy. I'd be all over that, it, but we have to wait and see. If if the if the scenario comes that Morgan Riley's gone, uh, Jacob Chickren would be my number one want. I would want him. I would I would be fine with whatever the Leafs paid to go get him. Uh, to me, that's the answer. If Morgan Riley's out, Chickren's in, I'd be happy. Uh, make it happen. But that's that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> well, let's move to the uh, the other part of the defensive part of this thing, and that's the goaltenders. I want to ask you about the combo that's going to be Jack Campbell and Petr Morazic. I have a TikTok launching tomorrow about Petr Morazic, and the reason why I did that one is, for me, I'm breaking down these signings, and I think we – Saw something here when Curtis McElhaney was here and he played with Freddie Anderson. McElhaney understood one thing. He's the backup. He's not going to be the starter. And that mentality went through and he was mentally sharp when called upon. That needs to be the same thing that goes into these two goaltenders here. They need to understand it's a 1A, 1B. You need to have that mental sharpness to know that you're not going in every night. Don't get pissed off. Don't get dejected. Don't get all pouty and down on yourself because you're not playing. Just be ready for when you're called upon. 
And I think Ben Morazic knows that. Jack Campbell knows that. And I think that's why this could be a successful 1A, 1B. You look at Rask and Halak in Boston. I look at those kind of combos and I say that's where it needs to be. Both guys need to be on the same page. And I think the Leafs did a great job in finding a goaltender that understands this is what we're doing. This is our guy here. This is our guy there. Neither of you are the starter. Whoever's the hot hand will roll probably for a bit, but we always will go back and be, I, I think for Campbell it'll be 50, maybe 50, 32 or 50, 33 or something like that in those numbers. It'll be broken down that way where Mrazek doesn't start as much, but if the guy's hot, you roll the hot. But what I like about this is they got a guy who understands what he's coming into. Totally. So you mentioned it, Mrazek, and this is probably going to be in your video. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, but with Mrazek, uh, he's his whole career, he's been a tandem goalie uh, in Detroit. It was right when Detroit was kind of on the downturn. Uh, yeah. And he came in and he was with, uh, you know, I can't Howard. remember who it was at the time, but Jimmy Howard was yeah, probably the guy. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Jimmy Howard at the time was the guy and Mrazek came in, stole some games from him. Uh, and for a couple of years, those two went back and forth. Uh, and like you said, it was about a 50-50 split, but it was probably more about 55-45 in terms of percentages. Uh, and he's done that his whole career. He went to Carolina, did the same thing. So I think if you're if you're bringing him in, they're both the exact same age. If you're bringing him in, uh, who better than the polite, nice Jack Campbell, uh, who just wants to be here and be with the boys. Yep. Uh, and he's great as well. He had a great season last year. Um, I'm not going to say he's elite, but he had a great, he had an elite season last year with the numbers that he put up. So uh, that can't be ignored. Yeah. Um, you know, his numbers were fantastic. So, uh, you know, the two of them together, I think they finally found the balance that they could never have with Freddie Anderson because, uh, Freddie would, he wanted 65 games a year. Like that was yeah. what he wanted. And even if he was hurt, he even admitted in one of the interviews that he did after the season, just recently, yeah. Uh, you know, I should have sat out some games. I should have. I, I played too many and it didn't allow myself to heal. And that was part of my problem. Uh, so, hey, Freddie, thanks for thanks for realizing that now. Like, I wish yeah. you would have realized that two years ago uh, before the Columbus series, because that would have been nice. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is now. But I think they're at a point now where we're going to see them maybe through the first 50 games, 25 and 25 each. Uh, and yeah. then by that point, they'll be able to realize maybe who's slightly better or way better, who knows. Um, and I think that, that those two goalies uh, will push each other enough and be hard on each other enough, but also supportive uh, to really have a good tandem. And I think tandems are a real good way to go because we come playoff time, you go with who's hot and you always know that the other guy is reliable enough to be there when you need him. And that hasn't exactly. been the case. That hasn't yeah. been the case uh, for a long time in Toronto. And again, Freddie Anderson goes down. What was our thoughts the last few years? Ah, oh, Michael Hutchinson. Great. Uh, like, what are we going to do? Garrett Sparks. Great. Uh, we have no, they had no backups. And when they did, like you said, McElhaney, uh, he was on the back end of his career. He still chugged along for a couple of years after we let him go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he played with my brother back in the day, fun fact in Notre yeah, Dame and cool. here in Saskatchewan, uh, him and my brother Damn. were a tandem. So there you go. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think this is the best duo that this team has had. I'm not going to say either one of them is the best goalie that the Leafs have had, but I think no. this is the best duo that they've had since the Belfer Cujo ish era days. This is the best cat tandem that they, this team has had. I want to ask this question. Now, hopefully, hopefully they perform. <laughs> <laughs> That's that was my next thing. If Jack Campbell does perform like he did this past season and comes in and blows the doors off again, he needs a contract as well. 
So yeah. what would you be comfortable offering this guy knowing that you've seen, okay, you've done this taking over for Freddie. Now you've done this as a one, a one B would you give him the same kind of money you gave Petter Morazic, or would you think you'd have to give him a little bit more to get him to stick around in that kind of role? I, I think he's at a point in his career where he hasn't really had oh. a great season yet. Uh, and he's all, he's almost 30. So I'm going to say that, uh, it, I think he would be more than happy to take a Chris Drieger type of deal where it's three, three, three and a half million dollars for three years, uh, somewhere in that range. I don't even know if he would necessarily have to go up to Mrazek's number of 3.8, uh, just because Mrazek truthfully has had a better career so far than Jack yep. Campbell. So he's, you know, he's earned that 3.8. I think anywhere between three and three and a half on a three-year deal. And then you got a three-year, four-year tandem where you know what you have for a few seasons. Um, I can only hope that that happens. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, two goalies, you probably get them under $7 million total. Uh, and that's, you don't have that in many teams across the league no. where you have two goalies for that price. So I think they'd be, I think he, the team would be happy with that. Of course. I think Jack Campbell's at a point in his career where I think he would be happy with that also. Uh, and that's where, you know, Morgan Riley's deal is all that more important that he comes in at a nice number so that they can afford to do that. Uh, because, you know, luckily uh, for the next couple of years, most of their forward core, most of their defensive core is locked up. But that Morgan Riley number is really going to determine how much real playing money they have this off next offseason. And we don't have to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, I think yep. that's what they're looking at. Well, let's swing to the, the forwards, obviously, and then we'll look at the ones that were brought in um, for you. I look at Andre Kasha and, you know, we talked about this over TikTok a little bit. I look at him as a player that you have to base the injury problem off of concussions hasn't been healthy. Um, you know, did well in Anaheim that one season touring 20 goals. That's what the Leafs are hoping they're getting, but it just makes me nervous, especially with this team that is not exactly built to be physical. There's nobody really to protect him. I know we went out and got a couple guys, which we'll talk about, but for me, Andre Kasha will start there. I see him probably being protected and sheltered on a third line third or fourth line. Um, yeah. I, I think he's the type of guy who throughout his career, uh, he's been a speedy winger who can do a little bit of, a little bit of everything, not quite everything. Um, but at $1.25 million, uh, he's a guy who can be swapped in and out of the lineup. They could hypothetically send him down to the minors. I don't really? think he'd clear waivers, but um, you know, he's the type of guy who could be he, same deal as Pierre Engvall. Uh, and I think that's I think that's partially why they have so many forwards under contract right now is because um, they want to be able to rotate guys in and out uh, if possible. And I know they probably can't keep all the forwards they currently have. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe he gets uh, maybe in the first 40 or 50 games, he comes in and out 10 or 15 times. Maybe he's not he's not an everyday player and they can maybe have a little flexibility with him to keep him as healthy as possible. And then by the second half of the season, who knows, maybe he's, maybe he's ready to go and he becomes an everyday player and he proves that he's that type of guy who can be, uh, you know, a, a second half stud for them and almost like a second half, almost like a deadline pickup yeah. uh, and they can use him every day. That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, but at the same time, it's a cheap enough deal where I'm not too worried if he gets hurt, he can go on LTIR. Uh, and they can play around with some flexibility. So I think it's a great gamble uh, because it's at 1.25. If, if he's a 10 to 20 goal player, that's fantastic value. Oh, for sure. No, I, like I said, the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is the, the injury prospect there of him. 
But I mean, if he can get in there with Spezza and maybe make some magic happen, with Spezza kind of seems to be walking back the clock. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Brooks here. <laughs> a little bit of a Marley strip coming up here too. Um, yeah. But hey, another guy. A lot of people are picking this guy to be a sleeper, especially in drafts and things like that for fantasy hockey. Which, hey, by the way, you're joining our league this year, so you're gonna have a little. Oh fun yeah. On that side of things, the email was sent out tonight. Um, but Michael Bunting, this guy here. Um, some people I've seen comments say, hey, this guy's kind of like a Darcy Tucker, might have a little bit of snarl to his game, may go to the net, um, you know, score 10 goals, 20 games. I think he will get a look in the top six. I think they're looking for a Hyman-esque type guy to play with Marner and Matthews. For me, I want Hyman, or sorry, not Hyman, I want Matthews and Marner to finally have to earn digging that puck out. I want them to do that part of the game. I want maybe that might just move their needle a little bit more, especially in the playoffs where that type of play is prominent. Maybe if you make them go do those things and not have a guy on their line that is going to go do it for them, maybe that just changes their pace a bit. And Michael Bunton might be that guy because he's not exactly a guy that will go dig it out all the time. He will go do it. But if you want to drive play a little bit more, I think Marner and Matthews kind of have to get in there. I know it's not Marner's game. But, hey, if you're going to go invisible in the playoffs, you need to add elements to your game. So I think that adding Michael Bunting on that line might be the answer right there. A guy that can go to the net and can do things, but is not Zach Hyman and will not do it all the time. Yeah, former Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. So that's uh, no, notable. But he <laughs> had seventy. He had 74 points in 57 games in his last year of junior hockey, 37 goals. Uh, he's 5'11", 200. Um, so he's not huge, but he's thick. Like he's built 200 pounds of five. Oh, yeah, so um, and the, the thing that we all have to think about with Michael Bunting for me, anyways, he's played 26 total games in the NHL. So he's had a run in the AHL. He's had some good numbers. He's almost a point per game in the AHL. Actually, I think he is maybe a point per game. So like he's, he's done well down there. And I think if anything, it looks like the time is right for him to now step in and start making the impact. Um, and I, I want him to be a top line. I want him to be the top line guy. If that's the case, the rest of the lineup is stronger because of the depth and they're able to, you know, move certain other guys into better spots that fit better roles. Uh, so if he's the first line left winger, great. I mean, it's not going to be the sexiest pick right now again, because he's only played 26 games, but he's shown that he can do it in other places. Um, and I, I'm very curious about him. He's, he's the most curious player on this entire roster for me at least going into the season right now. I, I want I don't know what he is. And if he's at all Zach Hyman, that's amazing. That's huge. Um, 900,000 for two seasons. So if he's great this year, we got him again next year for super cheap. Uh, if he's not great, maybe he's a bottom six winger. That's totally fine too. Yep. Um, so Seriously. to me, I honestly think Michael Bunting is my question mark of the season right now. Is, is he going to be that guy or is he going to just be another bottom six forward, which is fine as well. But definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I like his I like what he's got. I like what I hear about him. Um, and the fact that he had 10 goals last year uh, out of nowhere. I, I like that on an Arizona team too. on an Arizona team in 21 games. That's yeah. half a goal a game. Great. Let's let's, let's have let's that. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, and get play with guys like Marner or Matthews or JT and Willie. Let's see what happens there. Another guy that I want to ask you about here. We signed David Camp that I've seen a lot of people. And I made a video about this already. So many people groaning about this guy. Why did we sign him? Why is it for two years? Why is it for the cap hit it is? For me, this is a center that you guys need, that the Leafs need desperately. We needed a defensive mind, third or fourth line guy that can win you face-offs, 
when the game is on the line or when you're on the penalty kill. His faceoff numbers, believe it or not, were not that great on the penalty kill, especially in his own zone. So everybody's hyped up about that, but he's a good penalty killer. A lot of Chicago people that I talked to said that this guy here is going to bring a little bit def- defensive stability and can be counted on in those moments. Will he score for you? Well, the verdict is no, he won't. But if he's playing with guys that can put up points, maybe he will. Depends on who he's with. He could be a product of his environment and maybe kick off for a few more goals than he got last year. But this guy is a defensive specialist that I think the Leafs needed. They went and signed him. And I think for Dubas, this is the Philip Deneau answer where Philip Deneau shut down our star players and he said, hey, we need someone who can do that on our roster. And this is that guy here. What are your thoughts on David Camp and what he brings? And did you grow when they signed him? Uh, at first, I didn't see what he was signed for. Then money and term, I didn't see that. So I said, oh, okay, sure. Uh, that was my initial reaction. Yeah, okay. Um, then I saw two years. I said, okay, that's okay. And obviously, they believe in him because they wouldn't give him more than a year if they didn't believe in him. And, and 1.5. And then I thought, okay, 1.5 is an interesting number because that means they think he's more than a fourth-line player. Uh, he's not quite a top six. So it seems like it's third-line money. Uh, and third-line center, a guy that not a ton of people have heard of, and he's extremely defensive. Um, I think I think ideally he's, he ends up being the fourth-line center. That, I think that's the that would be perfect. Um, and I've been harp, I've been harping on it. I think I've said it on this specific show. I think I've said it on other shows. Uh, they haven't had a defensive center since Jay McClement. Uh, and that's my boy. Jay McClement's my boy. Uh, but they haven't had a, a centerman to be on the penalty kill and shut teams down. In seasons now. Uh, and the fact that the last couple of seasons, they haven't had a good penalty kill. Uh, and that doesn't get talked about enough. I don't know. Oh, 24th is, in the league last year. Absolutely. Horrendous. Yeah. It doesn't get talked about because, you know, everyone thinks, Oh, McKayev's a pretty good penalty killer and Engvall can penalty kill. And, you know, Kerfoot and Marner, they were on the penalty kill. They weren't good. Uh, yeah. So I think this is, this is massive. Uh, this could be, this could be the best signing of the off season. Uh, as strong as that sounds. Um, the fact that like this could take their penalty kill from 24th to top 10, like that's how big this could be potentially just because they haven't had a guy to win a face off. They haven't had a shutdown defense. Their, their best penalty killers were Kerfoot and Marner last year. Those guys aren't shutting guys down. Those guys are, you know, adding dynamic elements to a penalty kill, but they're not shutdown guys. Uh, so the fact that they can bring in comp just alone, um, I, I saw so many times last year where they'd be on a penalty kill. And the very first face-off, it would be one back to the defenseman, passed over, shot, and scored. Within 20 seconds, they would score a goal. And it happened time and time again. And nobody talked about it, which I'm extremely – again, I'm so, so surprised that it wasn't a bigger storyline last year of how not good the penalty kill was. And uh, I think taking minutes away from Marner would be great. Uh, as much as I like Marner penalty killing, I'm fine if he's doing it. But if they can take a few minutes away, he was their most – he had the most penalty kill minutes on that entire team in terms of forwards last year. And the guy needs to be on the other side of things. As much as I like the fact that we have him doing both, both ways. Great. He needs to be on the other side. He needs to be putting up more points. He needs to be better on the power play because our power play wasn't good either. Uh, so if that can alleviate Marner a little bit, take a little bit more pressure off of him and maybe help him focus a little bit more on the power play. I think that's a massive, massive win. And like I said, I think David Kampf, uh, if it works, could be the signing of the offseason, the best one that we look back on next summer and say, wow, that was a game changer. 
Yeah, like I was excited. A lot of people were down on him, but I got an article sent to me right away. And I think I flashed it right over to you actually right afterwards and just talking about what he did because everybody yep. was groaning. And I looked at it and I said, okay, this guy stopped gap when Jonathan Taves is in, their best face-off guy. He is going up against the best guys every night defending on the penalty kill. I was like, what's not to like? And just like you said, Nothing. we haven't had a guy like that. And I think we're we're crying for that, or at least the Leafs oh. are anyway. And yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't win. Yeah, they they couldn't win a faceoff on the penalty yeah. kill last year. They don't. Hyman and Kerfoot were taking uh, faceoffs, and Engvall. None of those guys are faceoff guys. And this is I again. I'm going to stick by this. This could be the signing of the offseason. Oh, I'm right there with you. Don't worry. I was pumping the tires on that one. The other one, uh, the big fish, I guess, for the front end for the Maple Leafs was Nick Ritchie. Um, everybody's excited. He went and talked to a bunch of teams. Boston decided not to bring him back. Uh, he was shocked to be a UFA. The video starts going around in 2014 where he said it would be unbelievable to be a Maple Leaf. You know, John Tavares asked everybody getting excited. This guy says the dream come true. Once in a lifetime opportunity. He scored the 15 goals. He's physical. He's about 236 pounds. He throws it around. So the hits per minute for the Leafs are definitely going to go up. And he definitely would fit in nicely if he can play with them in the top six with either JT and Willie or, or Matthews or Marner. I still think he'll be second line. I think they really want Matthews and Marner to embrace going to get the puck. Um, but I think for Tavares and Nylander, you put a guy like Nick Ritchie there, who's just going to be a pain in the ass to play against and physical and can stick up for Willie and stick up for JT and drop the gloves as he has to also can play on the penalty kill. Also played second power play minutes with the Boston Bruins, a guy you can park his ass in front of the net and let him pot some goals. So this guy seems to bring a lot of things. And here's the best part. He chose the Maple Leafs. There were other teams that wanted him. And this is a guy, again, we talk about needs. The Leafs needed to address the physical aspect of their game with a guy who can play the game. So now you have Richie, you have Simmons, you have Muzzin. So you have some guys throughout your lineup who can do some things. And do I think Simmons will get in the lineup all the time? Probably not. If he's hot and rolling, maybe. But I think he's going to be an in-and-out kind of guy with Kasha and a couple of the other guys we're about to mention on the Marlies here. We dive on them for a second. But I want to know, for you, you look at Nick Ritchie, what gets you excited and what does he bring? Yeah, so the the one worry that I have is that uh, Nick Ritchie's foot speed is not good. Um, and that's all I've heard from any of my Bruins friends, uh, fans, friends that I have several, uh, it's weird, but I have several. And that was the one thing that they told me. I was like, well, you know, he's not, he doesn't have any speed. We have one key element to that though. Her name is Barb Underhill. Well, and that's true. Fixed John Tavares. She fixed yeah. Pierre Ingvall. So maybe she can fix Nick Ritchie. I hope to goodness that they do that. Uh, so that was what I was going to say. He needs to do a ton of work. And I think um, he brings an element and it's not just that he's physical, but just the size that he has and the different things that he can do compared to other guys that they've had in the past few years. I think he's a different player than Wayne Simmons. He's not that player. He's, he's got a different size element than a James Van Riemsdyk that was here a few years ago. We he's different. Um, so I, I think this is a curious one. And not only that, uh, you know, they uh, they should have picked him over William Nylander. Oh, that argument's gone. They got them both now. Uh, they should have traded uh, – who was it the, a couple years ago? They should have traded Nylander yeah. for Richie in Anaheim, Richie and 
Josh Mason. Manson or something like that. Yeah, Manson, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now they got now they got Richie on the team. They didn't have to do any of that. So that's that's a funny aspect to that. But um, I, I I don't think that he should play on the second line. And I'm going to say this specifically again: foot speed. And you mentioned John Tavares. I don't know if if the two of them on the same line would be as effective as we would want them to be. Now with Willie on there, maybe that changes everything. I think Willie's going to be one of the most underrated forwards um, in the league going into the year. Um, just because I think he has a, a type of game that I think he's developed quite a lot over the last few years. He's not the same William Nylander as he was when he was 21 years old. Um, so, and I don't think people know that yet. I don't think so. So uh, maybe that's the case. Maybe he does work well with Willie, but I think that Nick Ritchie would be a good guy to have on either Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's line uh, to give that net front presence with those two guys and let them dangle around and do their thing or on the third line. And like you said earlier with comp and maybe it's Richie comp and whoever else is on that line. Cause there's you know, numbers of options, but I think those two types of line combinations might be something that they'd look at. Uh, if he works with John Tavares, I think that could be a great second line. Uh, but I just, I don't know if he's going to work. I have to see the guy more because all I saw in Boston was him, you know, having struggles staying in the lineup near that end of the year. Hey, he, all of his goals were on the power play, which is all I heard that too. Well, he only scores on the power play. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> like, we could use well, that. That's a good thing. Yeah, we could use that. So does he end up getting on the first power play unit and just, like you said, parking in front of the net and doing his thing there? Um, that could be that could be where we see a lot of value out of Nick Ritchie uh, on the power play. And uh, I think he brings a nice element, and I'm glad we have him. Uh, the money, it's going to have to depend on, is he going to make himself worth that amount of money? Yeah. Uh, but again, it, I don't think it's the amount of money that, that's going to kill you. Uh, it's not 2.5. It's not going to, it's not going to handcuff you. I don't think so. We'll see. I think he's got a lot of options. I think he can, he gives the team flexibility to kind of move him around in the top nine. And I think he'll eventually find his spot, but I just don't know where it is yet. That's, that's all I have with Nick Ritchie. All right. No problem. I'm excited for him anyways. I think I'm he's going to bring an element for sure to yeah. the squad. So it's good to see Elise actually being able to make some moves with the limited cap space they had, but here's some guys that I want to know your opinion on if they make the Maple Leafs at all this season. Uh, I look at Nick Robertson. I think he should definitely get an opportunity. I look at Adam Brooks, uh, your boy, your jersey right behind oh you. Definitely oh should be uh, getting a look. Joey Anderson's another guy that I really think should get a look here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, for you, and then we haven't even talked about Curtis Gabriel, you know, another mm. player who can throw mitts and have some fun in the Leafs lineup. But for you, um, all those players we talked about, who do you think makes it in for the Marlies? I think Gabriel will be one of those players that circled in and out. So we won't talk much about him. Happy to have him on the team and throw fists. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But Nick Robertson, Adam Brooks, and Joey Anderson, three guys I think definitely can fit in, in this Leafs roster. And if they have a good camp, they might make it right on the team. Well, all three of those guys would make a killer first line for the Marlies. So let's just say that in advance. But uh, I – Adam Brooks, I mean, I love the kid to death. I, I would I would definitely want to see that kid on the roster right now. And it, the, the two names that we haven't talked about really at all is Ilya Mikheyev and, and uh, Pierre Engvall. And those two guys combined make three million bucks, uh, the two of them. And I just think that the the all the names you just named uh, would be just as good as those two guys at half the price. Um, you know, Brooks is making 725, Gabriel's 750. Um, obviously 750 is a league minimum, but Brooks has his deal from a couple years ago, so he's still at 725. Uh, 
we so Wayne Simmons you mentioned earlier is another name where yep. I I would be just fine with him going in and out of the lineup over an Angball or even a Mikheyev. Um, Mikheyev's tough, and I, I know we weren't. This isn't even about Mikheyev, but he's tough. Uh, I just don't know what he is. We saw him come in and be that speed element and he scored some goals in his first year then he had the wrist injury and he just hasn't been the same player no nope. um yeah he, he hasn't been physical even though he's got size um i don't think he's overly good defensively even though he's you know he's got the speed to do a bunch of stuff he was on oh this is the argument well he was a penalty killer yeah again he wasn't good i don't yeah, think the so kill wasn't good guys so let's yeah. drop just because he was just because he was out there uh doesn't mean he's a good penalty killer um but so the two of them, if there's a scenario that we see, and maybe this is a wait and see scenario, I don't think we have to rush. The first day lineup is not going to be lineup in game 20. Uh, that's one thing I think Leaf fans are going to have to come to accept. So maybe we see Mikheyev and Engvall in the lineup day one. I think by November, December, that could be a package where we see both those guys out of town uh, just to be a little bit more efficient with the money. And maybe there's a trade deal. Maybe Dermot comes out of town together. The three of them, uh, Dermot Mikheyev and Engvall are are through 4.5 million dollars uh the three of them so Chikrin money that's exactly Chikrin (laughs) money so uh and other guys so I was saying Dvorak earlier was my guy the three of them and then combination but uh that's I I like Joey Anderson I like Adderbrooks I like Nick Robertson uh some other guys on the roster too like again Gabriel and and Simmons and I want to see those guys in the lineup way more than I want to see Mikheyev and Engvall in the lineup so I think that day one, those guys are probably American hockey leaguers. Um, but by game 20, 25, 30, that's, I think, where we're going to see a shift. And I think we could see some of those guys come in the lineup. No, I look forward to it. And look, for me, I want Nick Robertson in this lineup because I definitely think so he's do a top player for this squad. And he will be. He will he'll be. He'll add that element. And I think he'd fit nicely with John Tavares and Willie Nylander. But we, we got to wait and see. And who knows what happens in camp injuries and so forth and so forth. There's Nick, so Nick Robertson money. is a guy who could be, he could be the number one left winger coming out of camp. He could be the number two left winger. Uh, I, I want to see it. Uh, I just, there's, I, there's too many other guys here right now for me to say, yeah, that he's won a spot. Um, just I, I just, I want to see it. I want to see a camp. Uh, yeah. I, I, camp's going to be extremely interesting because there's going to be, probably five or six forwards legitimately because they have like 22 NHL forwards right now. Yep. There's they probably going to be five or six forwards that don't make this team and everyone's going to be questioning it, but there's, it's just a numbers game right now. Josh Hosang. No, there's another one. Who knows? So, I want to, I want to ask you about Josh Hosang. Obviously yeah. the book is, has been written a little bit on this guy and, and maybe unfairly seemingly from New York Islanders and Lou Lamorello and, all the jokes have been made about him being late and this, that, and the other stuff. And, you know, some of the things he's done is not exactly team friendly. And, you know, there's a lot of things, but the Maple Leafs seem to have a thing with being able to rehabilitate certain players. They did it with Alex Galchenyuk. Um, you know, the medical staff stuff, you look at Tyler Ennis, you look at Jason Spezza, you know, they didn't have to rehabilitate the person, but they did the player. Maybe they can get something out of Josh Hosang that no one else has. And maybe they found the secret sauce in allowing a guy to come in, take part in camp, you know, I know Galchenyuk didn't, but they did it right with him. They put in the AHL, no expectations, do your thing, work hard, have a good attitude. We'll see where it goes. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Josh saying, come in, do camp, do your part, earn a contract, whether it's AHL or NHL, do your part down there and we'll see where it goes. And if he does well, 
you talk about deadline acquisition. If he's skilled enough, this guy could be a deadline acquisition that comes in and plays on your bottom six that can give you some minutes if there's injuries. Does he have to leapfrog a lot of guys? Yes, but if he does the right things, like we saw with Gouch, maybe the talent's there, maybe they draw it out of him, and maybe they can get something more than no one else has. For you, I'm wondering, do you see the same scenario, or is this just a, a guy coming in and they're trying to give a chance? Uh, I think it's both. Um, I, I, I think Josh Hosang is a type of player uh, that could be one of those bargain bin finds that makes a major difference at some point in a season and maybe even into a playoff run. Um, he just hasn't been able to find it yet in his career. And I don't think a whole lot of people quite know why. I think there's been some character issues. Of course, we've heard the stories, like you said, he's got the book on him. Like you said, uh, I would love to see a scenario where Josh Hosang does earn a contract, but starts in the American hockey league. And I think he would have to clear waivers, but I think at this point in his career with what he's done, I think he would clear waivers. Um, and the, the bonus of that is, is that the Marlies are in Toronto. Uh, so he doesn't have to go to some small town, America, some small town in Connecticut uh, or wherever it is to play on an American team. That's not connected to the national team directly. Yep. The Marlies are, are right down the street. Uh, so he could, live in the same house. He could hang out with the Leafs all the time. Still, he could be a, come a part of the culture of the team, but go down to the Marlies and kind of just really establish that he can follow the system. Yeah. Uh, he can do it uh, and go, maybe, maybe he's at a point for game by Christmas. And, and then maybe we see him come up and earn his role wherever it is on the, on the, in the top 12. Uh, that's what I want to see from Josh Hosang. I don't think we're going to see him come in to camp and dazzle everyone and earn a contract and play in the top lineup right away. Uh, I think we're going to see if he, if he makes the team, uh, I want to see him earn it. I want to see him go through the oh, Marlies yes. and, and, and cut his, uh, cut his jib a little bit and, you know, get into the culture and prove that he's ready to be a Maple Leaf and not just come in and get a spot. Um, I don't think he's earned that in his career. So that's what I want to see from Hosang. And I hope it works out because again, I think that could be, that could be a cheap find that nobody else would give a chance. And he earned it. I want to see him earn it. That's the biggest thing with him. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Well, we've talked in length about the league. So let's do some fun things around the league. I want to ask you about some notable RFAs that are happening right now. And we'll oh. talk about the, uh, the cock and yummy one first. Um, obviously we know where he is now. He's with the Carolina hurricanes. Everything's set up. Uh, it was smug. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what Liddell says. Or Dundon says it was all done with a certain tone as a, we're getting you back for what you did to us earlier, which a lot of people thought the Montreal Canadiens did Waddell a favor in signing that deal. He made it easy. Here you go. Ajo's done. Um, now Kakanyemi's over there. Montreal Canadiens go get Dvorak. I don't care. You see my video on TikTok. I still, even with Dvorak guys, don't think their center depth is that crazy in Montreal. I don't have them in the playoffs, but thank you to everybody who cranked that video because it's <laughs> best one I've ever had but uh I'll look at it like this and I say Cock and Yemi signing that deal obviously here you're not going to sign a deal like that and not think you're worth it but at the same time if you're a player you'd be stupid not to sign that deal and get the money because Montreal is oh. only signing you to like two and a half to three million dollars so he took the money he ran and I'm sure there's a like Elliot Freeman said a deal in the drawer you know for the further extension that can be signed on January 1 and they talked about the parameters of that which was completely within the rights of being able to do what they wanted to do there with Kakanyemi. So they went and they did it. 
But like I said, I don't care what anybody says. It was done smugly. It was done as a you. This is what we're doing. Have fun with it. And they blew it up. They did everything they needed to do to make it the most fun thing in the summer after doing a pretty jerk move and signing Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, I let's the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've heard a lot of things that, you know, the Hurricanes have had one of the worst off seasons. And this has completely put that out of my mind. Uh, I think this is hilarious. I love it. Every detail of it is just, like you said, 100% driven to do one thing, and that was to piss off Mark Bergerman. And I think it, 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 they achieved that. Uh, I, is he a $6 million player? No. No, no he's not. Um, but like you said, there's a lot that goes into RFAs that I'm going to say 90%, and even myself included, didn't know about how this works because it just never happens and we never get to talk about it. Um, so one thing that's really notable is that uh, they can sign him to an extension in January, January yeah. one, they can sign him to an extension. If the Canadians match this, they couldn't sign him to an extension until the summer. Uh, they have to wait and they have to sign him to at least $6 million. Whereas the hurricanes don't, yeah. uh, I don't know why that is, but that's the rule. So that's either. If Montreal matched, they can, and that's the other thing. They can't trade him. He's a he's a Canadian from game one to 82, and they can't do anything about it. So I think, A, Carolina made a nice move here because they forced the hand of Montreal. They knew they wouldn't be able to match it and all the other stuff that goes along with it. And they have something in there. And I think Kotkaniemi now is not a centerman. Uh, I think he's going to be a left winger, or maybe they put him on his off wing. But I don't think he's a $6 million third line or fourth line center. I think he's... He's going to be on the top line with with Aho and maybe Tara Vinen or with Seth Svechnikov. And they have Vinny Trocek there too, remember? Yep. Uh, so, like, they have some center depth already. They don't need a centerman. They need Kotkaniemi to come in and show his offensive upside on a wing. And I think he, he's going to be able to do that. And then, you, you know, maybe you sign him to uh, – the number that I heard was give him the Kadri deal. Six years, $4.5 million. Yep. Again, he has to earn that. I don't think he's even a $4.5 million player as of what we've seen right now. But if he goes and plays in the top six with those guys I just named and maybe puts up 50, 60 points, yeah, he's he's a four and a half million dollar player. Yeah. So who he can be, he can fill in at center if you need him to. Um, so I, I think that that's I love it. Uh, and is Dvorak a good replacement for Montreal? I think that's that's the option that makes the most sense. Oh yeah. Um, but like, like you said, they lost Deneau, they lost Weber, they lost too much. Uh, I don't think Montreal is in a position this year that they're going to be ready to go. But Dvorak for four years at 4.4, 4, uh, I like it. No, yeah, like you definitely that, so. take that all, all the way. And like I yeah. said, their center depth isn't what it was, but again, Dvorak can come and do some things. Suzuki's definitely blossoming as a player as well. And you got some young guys at Caulfield and stuff starting to come into their own. I don't think Tyler Toffoli repeats at what he did last year for goal scoring either. I think that was kind of a flash in the pan, one-year hot streak, maybe sticking it to Vancouver because he gets to play him a bunch of times. Well, but then we'll most see. of his goals at the beginning of the season were against Vancouver. Yeah. Let's remember that. Yeah. So that's so, something to think about. But Yeah, we'll, we'll he, see what happens this year. But I don't see that repeating. But here's an no. interesting one. The press conference with Mark Bergevin today saying that they're not going to name an interim captain, that Shea Weber is still the captain. He'll be with the team off ice, doing all the off ice stuff, being around the squad with the leadership. That leads me to believe if the Montreal Canadiens do squeak into a playoff spot, I think we see Shea Weber in the playoffs. I wouldn't put it past that. Yeah, he's the Kucherov this year for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. And I would hope that even if he wasn't, they still wouldn't name a new captain. Uh, Shea Weber's still under contract. 
the idea is that I think he's going to come back at some point. So if they were to not, if they were to strip him of the captaincy, um, even name an interim captain, I feel like that's a little bit of a, of a blow, a low blow. Yeah. And I think that would, that's, I don't feel like that would be right. So I, I I'm good. I'm glad that that's the case. Uh, I, 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 I'm glad. So if he comes back, great. Uh, but you know, Shea Weber is one of the most respected players in the league. I don't think you do that to him. All right. For our phase, I got four players I want to ask you about. They are pretty big names. Um, Brady to Chuck. Seems Ooh, the yeah. Ottawa Senators, for whatever reason, they got Drake Batherson's done, but the news coming out of Ottawa right now, at least the rumblings are, they haven't made Brady Kachuk an offer that is within the ballpark of what he's willing to accept. And I'm wondering why you wouldn't. They're, I think, $7.8 million below the cap floor right now. Why wouldn't you spend money on a guy, A, that is marketable for your franchise, two, production has gone up, three, is probably your future captain when you sign him to this deal. I don't understand what the Ottawa Senators are doing in bungling this situation that seems to be an easy layup for them. Yeah, I think they have plenty of uh, plenty of cap room, so that's not the issue. Like you said, they they're a few million dollars under the floor, so yeah. like they they that's not the issue. Um, I I don't know why Ottawa always seems to this always seems to happen to Ottawa uh, with especially in the last seven years yep. uh the guys that deserve the money they they dangle around and don't give to uh but then you see them you know they the carlson thing for example they didn't want to pay him uh mike hoffman back in the day they didn't want to pay him uh certain guys they just for whatever reason don't want to pay guys yep. uh and they gave thomas shabbat the money and i thought that was over uh and then we sit here today and kachuk is is now in the same situation as those other guys so uh, he's the guy you give the money to. So I don't know why, like, is he, is he asking for $9 million or $10 million? Is he trying to get, um, you know, a Mitch Marner contract or, or what are we sitting here arguing about for them? That's what I'm I heard. Eight seven five is what he wants. Eight seven. I'd, I'd give him that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I'd give him, I'd yeah. give him seven or eight years. If that's, if it's an eight year deal under 9 million for Brady Chuck, I think I would do that. And if they don't think that he's that type of player, move him. Send him to Calgary. Let him play with his brother or something crazy. I don't know. Like they, they already crazy. have the crazy part about Ottawa is they, they already have a ton of young forwards and I don't know where they're going to find spots for all of them. Uh, so if Kachuk's not their guy, that guy should have a C on his Jersey. He should be getting eight by eight minimum. Like I think you give them eight by eight minimum. I, I, if they're trying to give them seven or something and they're lowballing them, that's not good. He's the yeah. captain. He's, he's the future captain of this team. They can't like just, Get the deal done and, and make this guy the, the face of your franchise. Uh, I, I don't know why, why they don't. Go. Like I said, they're below the cap floor. Act the brink struck up. Give the guy the money. Move along. Get yourself above yeah. the floor and have fun with these young forwards. The next guy I want to ask you about is the, uh, I don't know, coup to the whole thing, Kirill Kaprizov. This Ooh. guy had a great season last year. Um, is over in Russia. We know he's over in Russia. And everybody's like, oh, he's going to sign the KHL. I don't think he is. He has family over there. He's already stating he's just visiting. Um, he wants to be in the NHL. I think they just need to find the numbers. For you, do you think the Minnesota Wild find the number before training camp? Because this, much like Brady Kachuk, looks like a deal that might not get done, might miss a little time. Where are you at with this one? Uh, he's an interesting case because to me, uh, uh, he's the reason that the Suter and Parise buyouts happened this summer. 
And those buyouts are so interesting because this year it's not that big a deal, but then next year there's, there's 8 million extra bucks on the cap next year. And then the year after that, it's two more for two more years. It's $14 million, almost 15 uh, for the next few, few years. So I just don't, Minnesota for me, I just don't quite get, uh, they're not exciting. They're not fun. Uh, they draft okay, but they've never really developed anyone of real big substance. They've got a couple of nice players. Yep. Um, but before Kaprizov, Minnesota to me was not a playoff team, uh, not even close. And even last year, I didn't think they were going to be even battling for a playoff spot. Kaprizov comes in all of a sudden. Oh, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. What's going on with Minnesota? They're winning games. They had a good defensive team because they always yep. did. Yep. Uh, they have they have goaltending because Cam Talbot's good again for some reason. Uh, Kapo Kokkinen's coming out of nowhere. Uh, so I hate Minnesota. I think they're boring. But with him in the lineup, all of a sudden they got something there. Uh, and I, he's the same type of player. I think they need to give him a long-term big contract and make him the face of that franchise. And I just, uh, again, I don't know how they're going to do it because those buyouts to me just put such a wrinkle into everything. Uh, and they don't have a ton of guys locked up or that are coming up that they need to worry about. I'm looking at their thing right now. I mean, Kevin Fiala maybe needs a contract next year. Other than that, I don't see a ton of guys that need money in the next couple of years, really. I mean, they have all their defensemen pretty much locked up. So I would say give them the money. Give it to them. He's the reason they were any good. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't see anybody else that could ever come close to replacing him in Minnesota. No, definitely. Well, the next two are Canadian flavors. We have Elias Patterson oh, in Vancouver. Here's the caveat. Vancouver's got $10 million, really $10.6 million in cap space to get two cornerstones of their franchise locked up. A lot of people worried about the health of Elias Patterson. But I look at these two players and I say, again, these are two guys you need to lock up long term. But where do you have the cap space to do it? Yeah, so they have 10.6 plus uh, Michael Furland, 3.5. He's on LTIR. So make that 14, um, kind of. So technically, I mean, you can give them each $7 million and everybody would be happy. Uh, but I think Patterson's not in the $7 million conversation. I think Quinn Hughes might be. Um, but I don't know if Quinn Hughes maybe thinks he's an 8 million. Maybe he's a Miro Heiskanen type of deal. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think this is a situation where those players got too good, too quick for Vancouver. And this is what I've said about Vancouver, uh, is I don't think that they're a team that was ready to be as good as they were as quick as they were, um, in this rebuild that they're currently in, cause they're yeah. not out of it yet. Um, but I think what, what Pedersen did for them, what, what Hughes did for them, what, what Besser did for them was they sped it along too quickly and then they couldn't figure out what they were. Uh, they signed a bunch of guys to terrible contracts. Uh, they now have moved all those guys and brought in other guys. OEL had a big deal and they went out and got Garland and gave him 5 million bucks essentially a year. They, they traded in for Tanner Pearson and gave him 3.25. And now they're in a whole new situation. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do because even on the Jason Dickinson's another one, they went yeah. out and got him and gave him 2.6. So it's like, okay, who are you giving the money to? And Vancouver's always had that problem in the last decade since the Sedin's era. Uh, the, who are they giving the money to and why? <laughs> I, you know, it's just an interesting debate for them because they have a lot of contracts. And this is the problem the Leafs don't have. Yes, the Leafs are in contract. They're, they're tight against the cap. 
But what the Leafs don't have is a bunch of contracts between two and six million dollars. They have like two guys. Uh, yeah. That entire, like, you know, maybe maybe a couple on the defensive side, but those are their best players on defense. So they these guys have a bunch of middling contracts that are just kind of muddying, muddying the waters. And I don't know what they're going to do there. I really, really don't. Like, are they going to trade Quinn Hughes to New Jersey? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll trade him to New Jersey for P.K. Subban, double retain. I don't know. Uh, well, but it just... Elias you know, Peterson, just, too, said that he, you know, the comments coming out, He's not exactly happy in Vancouver. Right. That's another that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. That should not be the case. Uh, the, with the way that they've been playing, with all the young guys they have, they should be a good team in the Pacific for the next six, seven, eight years. And for whatever reason, they just keep getting themselves into corners there in Vancouver that they just can't seem to get out of. And I think it's hilarious, uh, but I also hate it because I feel like Vancouver should be really good and that we're missing out on something with Vancouver these last couple of years oh, and it, yes. it bothers me a little bit. I just don't know how they get out of this in terms if, if, if both these guys want $8 million, for example, they want 16, they have to somehow clear three or $4 million. I don't know. I don't see how they're going to do that without making their team worse. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Pearson and Hamannick go out of town, but they just re-signed those guys. So they're not going anywhere. Pullman, uh, they just signed for four years. Is Tyler Myers out of town? Maybe that's the move. Maybe you move Tyler Myers out and just dump them. Um, but I, man, I just don't know. I, Vancouver's so weird because I feel like they just, they've had, they have all the tools, but they can never get them in the right spot at the right time. That's, so that's my thought right on Vancouver. There. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I agree with you. And you're wasting a guy like JT Miller, man. Cause I, I love JT Miller. JT oh, he's Miller, so good. It was great in Tampa and it'd been great for the Vancouver Canucks, but yeah, I just want to see them get it right. And it's like, everybody always says, Jim Benning is great for drafting, but needs to put the phone down on UFA day and just walk away. Yeah, Leave it in a vault. A, go away. A, a top six of something combined, com, combined of JT Miller, Pet, uh, Pedersen, and Besser, and then Garland, Horvat, and uh, whether it's Hoaglander, Pod Colson, like that's exciting. Why are we, why is Vancouver in a bad spot right now? Like it's just, it shouldn't be the case. It's bothering it makes me. You, it makes you so sad because there's a team that can yeah. do so much. And Vancouver fans are passionate as all hell. Oh, Their yeah. owner is passionate as all hell. Unfortunately, yeah. their GM seems to bungle it. But before I let you go tonight, Clark, I want to ask you for one storyline that every fan should watch this season that we should get excited about, get behind, one that you think is uh, kind of flying under the radar that could be a real fun one to watch other than Seattle. Yeah, no, I was going to say Seattle, but my other one is the LA Kings. And I think, again, I said it, the Pacific is a weird division. And uh, I've loved what LA's done in the last 12 to, 12 to 16 months. Uh, bringing in Victor Arvidsson, the draft picks that they've brought in, the buy fields of the world, the Turcots. Uh, they have so, they ha I want to say they have uh, six forwards on their roster currently that are 22 or younger. And they also have a bunch of forwards that they've drafted the last couple of years that I would say are really good prospects. Uh, so yeah. I think, and, and not only that, they, they have Drew Doughty still, they have Kopitar still, uh, and Pedersen has over, or Peterson has overtaken Jonathan Quick as the starting goalie there. Um, so I, I like everything that LA's got going on, and I think they're going to be the team to watch. If they're a dark horse, uh, I would say by halfway through the year, we might find out that they're not really a dark horse anymore. Um, they could be a horse 
Uh, so I, I don't know whatever they've done there. I think every little move has been really interesting. They haven't put themselves the no, I love the Dano move because it allows Byfield and some of those other younger guys to not have to be everything. Dano can come in and do a lot of dirty stuff and let those guys be what they are. And maybe he can even take a little pressure off Kopitar to be that guy too, where Dano can come in and take certain face-offs and play defensively and Kopitar doesn't have to do that. Maybe we see Kopitar get back to 90 point seasons type deal that he used to do. Um, I'm dead serious. I love everything LA's got going on. And I think they're going to be really fun in the Pacific, especially. I think they're a playoff team. See, when I had Rod Peterson on, I said the two teams that I liked the most going into the season was the LA Kings. He raised his eyebrows at me thinking they weren't there. And then I said the Philadelphia Flyers as well, as much as I hate them as a Leafs fan, I think what they did, with their entire organization. I like that too. Meter. I think they yeah. really supplanted the defense and guys who want to play there in front of Carter Hart. They really made it more difficult for teams coming in, but I love LA. I love what LA has done. And I said it to Rod and a lot of people, even, even Josh, who's not here tonight, uh, just got married tip of the cap to you, buddy. Um, oh, my hat's backwards. <laughs> but, you know, I thought LA did a lot of good things and I like what they did. And I've heard from Dennis Bernstein. He's been on the show a bunch of times. He covers the LA Kings that they have these players coming. You've got these young guys, but they're not putting them in the lineup just yet because they want them to come along. They want to move some contracts. Now they've done those things, and now they're starting to add. Adding a guy like Philip Deneau to that second spot, it makes me excited for that team. I don't want them to win. I want the Leafs to win, but I want them to have success. I want to see oh, they're all West. They're all yeah, West. They can, win. they can win a bunch. <laughs> but I do think but the other thing, too, like – they brought in Athanasiu, who yep. was sneaky good, I, I think, of, of an addition. They brought in Brendan Lemieux, which gives them a sandpaper element. Uh, they have Gabriel Velarde that they've just been marinating for a yes, couple of years. That he's coming that. in. Yes. Uh, they got Carl Grundstrom in the, in the Jake Muzzin trade, and he's going to be a bottom six type of guy for them. Uh, Alex Edler was a sneaky signing yeah, for one like year. Uh, you know, he'll be a second pairing type of guy. Uh, Matt Roy is one of the most underrated guys. Everything I've ever heard from anyone who talks about Matt Roy is that he is so underrated. It's scary. Uh, and then they have so many young guys. Tobias Bjornfoot hasn't even found his spot in the lineup. Yep. He's a former first round pick. I want to say Michael Anderson, again, another thing, everything I've heard about Michael Anderson defensively is that he's another guy that is just coming out of nowhere and nobody's talking about him, but people love him in LA. Uh, they have Tyler Madden, Alex Turcott, Arthur Kaliev, Quinton Byfield, Leas Anderson, who they stole from the Rangers, yep. uh, Rasmus Kupari, Samuel Helenius, who is a six foot six guy they just drafted, uh, Samuel Fajimo, Akil Thomas, and that's only a few of their forward yeah. prospects. Like that's ridiculous. The they just drafted Brent. They just drafted Brant Clark in the top ten. Jordan Spence is a good solid prospect uh, defensively. Kale Clegg is twenty three. I like him a lot. Uh, it's, it's insane how many good prospects they have. And this is why I've said for months, and this is a topic we haven't talked about yet. I think that they're primed if they want to go get Jack Eichel. Uh, I, I think LA is the team. They have so many prospects. They have still, they have cap space if they want it. I think they could put together a trade if they want to, but they might not even want to at this point in their development. Here's my thing with Jack Eichel, and I'll say this, and this will be the last bit we do for the show tonight. Jack Eichel, for me, is a player I don't trade for. I just Fair. don't. Because I can see it. that neck injury is a problem. And then B, we don't know what he's going to be like once that surgery happens, because whatever team gets him is probably going to give him the green light to go get it done. Then what version of Jack Eichel 
do you get back? And what is it on sure. base? Okay, so yeah. if you're giving up all these assets, you want to know what he's going to be. I think, unfortunately for Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres, he gets the surgery as a Sabre, he plays a season as a Sabre, and then they see where his value is. I think we're two years away from Jack Eichel getting traded. I don't disagree with you. I just think, just thinking of where LA is at, yeah. with Kopitar, Brown, and Doughty still there in their 30s now. Kopitar's 34. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. I don't think that they are going to just let those guys ride off into the sunset. I, I think they want to give them a legitimate chance before their careers are over. And I just think with Jack Eichel potentially coming over there as a second line center um, or first at that point when it happens, if it happens, but if they can find a way to fit that in ca salary cap wise, they have, they only have 12 forward spots. They have, I just named you, like at yeah. least 10 prospects that aren't going to all be first liners. So, I mean, that's where I'm saying. I feel like there's yeah. something brewing with LA that they're not even done yet. Well, you know what? There's lots of other players they can go after. I mean, lots Steven other goes in, in Tampa as well as another player that yeah. they're to be on the block. But I just look at Jack Eichel. Even if you get him this year, he's not playing this year. Right. He goes for the surgery. Maybe he doesn't play a lot next year because he's got to get back to strength and figure that all out. Who knows what it is? and what he has to go through to get back onto the ice. So even if you trade sure. for Jack Eichel, you're still maybe a year and a half away from using whatever version of Jack Eichel you get. And that's why I say, I think for all parties involved, he's in Buffalo for two more years because then he yeah. can play, bring that value back up. And then a team says, Oh yeah, we'll give you four first round picks. Here's two yeah. extra prospects and, and a roster player. Let's get it done. And you know? if, if he plays well and he gets back to that level, he's worth it. But yeah. until then, I totally understand where you're coming from. I look at it like this, though. At that time, though, when Jack Eichel's ready to get back on the ice, if he's still a Buffalo and they've gone and got Shane Wright or Connor Bedard, maybe the tide starts to turn in Buffalo. But I really think they're going to have to get new owners. Yeah, totally. CeCe <laughs> wants to say hello. Say hi, CeCe. Hello, CeCe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys. she's gone. This yes. is, uh, it's been a great talk, Clark. I always love having oh, you on Talk at least, buddy. Uh, love your content. Make sure you check out Clark Monroe on all platforms, whether it's Twitter, whether it's TikTok. Make sure you check out the Squadcast. Check out the Rod Peterson show as well. Tuesday nights for the Squadcast. Make sure you tune in. 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Is it? That's correct. Yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday night. Yeah. There you go. Make sure you check it out. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. <laughs>